And we just figured, again, naively thought, oh, we're going to be just rock stars and stuff. Like the kids will all get along and everything will be great and we're going to all live together. And <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hello. What are you doing? Hanging out. What are you doing? <laughs> so what do you want to talk about today? I want to talk about favorites. Like favorite food? Kids. Favorite kids? Mm-hmm. All mine, not yours. Okay. That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> what I was talking about was... You know, when you have multiple kids, do you have a favorite out of those kids? It depends on the day of the week. Okay. Well, I mean, with my four, I wouldn't say I had a favorite necessarily, but I do think that depending on what was going on, I gravitated toward one more than the other. Well, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was my daddy's favorite. I am my daddy's favorite. Now, my niece will try to argue with me, but she doesn't understand well, why is she supposed to be the favorite? She thinks she is. She's not even one of the kids. I know. Don't get me started on that. I know. <laughs> but my whole point with this discussion is, even out of your own biological kids, you may bond better or stronger with one mm-hmm. or, quote, quote, have a favorite versus if it's your stepkids, it's, oh, you have to like them and they have you have to love them like your own. Well, I might love them like my least favorite kid. <laughs> like my least favorite kid. No, I. So here's the thing, though. If I'm going to love them like my own, then discipline is part of love. So I don't know that you want me to love the kid's tail kid like my own. <laughs> and I'm not going to discipline the same, you know? It's. Uh... Well, and then, I mean, we can go down this rabbit hole of, well, you didn't really even discipline your own kids like you thought you should because of guilty parent syndrome. And I'm certainly not going to discipline somebody else's kids the way I discipline mine. Right. And you're not going to have guilty parent syndrome with my kid. Mm -hmm. So you would be more apt to be tougher on him if you parented him. Another thing I noticed, too, is that sometimes I would feel like if you're not disciplining him the way I thought you should, that I was more harsh toward him. Not in discipline, just just in dealing with him. Right. It's, oh, well, she's going to let him get away with it, and it just makes you mad. Right. Like I would have some resentment toward him. Because you didn't discipline him for something I thought you should. Yeah, so you might be snarky with him or something like that. Right. And and so this brings up a good point, which is a lot of times people say, I really don't like the stepkid or the stepkid is the problem. When really, the stepkid is just being the kid and the parents not disciplining them is really what you're frustrated with mm-hmm. and really what you dislike. It's not the kid. It's what the kid represents. Well, and it's like we've talked about before that... When someone says, I realized it's not the stepkids that I'm having the issues with as much as it's how their parent does or does not parent them. Mm-hmm. And we're like, woohoo, ding, 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 on to the second round of the nacho process. Yep. Because once you realize that, it takes a lot of the quote, quote, resentment, hate, frustration, and takes it away from those kids. Because look, they're just acting like they can. Yeah. They're doing what they can get away with. Yeah, that's what most kids do. That's what most adults do. Right. I mean, you know. So a kid doing what they're allowed to do by the parent doesn't make the kid a bad person. Mm-mm. It makes them a kid doing what they're allowed to do. A right. good example is, say you're an employee for Frito-Lay. 
I'm just going to use that. <laughs> For those who don't know, it's a potato chip company. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so say you work for Frito-Lay and your work hours are from 7 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You get start the job, everything's great. Week two or three, you start getting there at 7.01, 7.02, 7.04. Sounds like your past jobs. David. <laughs> now, you're never past like 7.07, but, you know, you're always a few minutes past the original starting time that you were given. Mm-hmm. If your boss doesn't say anything to you, are you going to correct that behavior or are you going to keep doing it? You're going to keep doing it. Most of the time. Yeah. But that is a pet peeve of mine. I know. But anyway, I digress. We're not talking about you right now. (laughs) My point is, if even in an adult world where you have a job, if your boss, quote, quote, your disciplinarian at work, doesn't say, you know, Big Johnny, you better have your butt here at 7 o'clock or I'm writing you up. Your hours are 7 o'clock. You need to be here at 7 o'clock ready to work. Not strolling in, chit-chatting with everybody, but at your desk ready to work. Mm-hmm. And if they don't say anything to you, then guess what? Come 7.06, you come in on two wheels in the parking lot. You stroll in, you chit-chat with everybody. By the time you get to your desk, it's 7.15, 7.20, and that's when you're ready to start to work. Yep. But if you can get away with it, you'll keep doing it. And the other downside of that is if I go to a job, and let's say I'm one of these people who always show up, a couple minutes early, stay a couple minutes late. If I see everybody else taking advantage of the system, then at some point, I, I unless I have super high integrity, I start doing the same thing they're doing because it doesn't benefit me. Right. And so when you have multiple kids, or even if you got one kid and then a stepkid, the kids look at each other and they look at what's going on and then they decide how they want to act. And that's not 100% true all across the board. You're going to have some kids that are going to, uh, they're going to always do better than the other kid just because that's just how they're wired. But typically, people will look around them and they gauge their level of involvement based on the people around them. Right. And go back to my little Frito-Lay job. If Big Johnny, you know, say the boss comes to him and says, Big Johnny, you are not at your desk at 7 o'clock. I'm going to have to write you up. You can't do that. And then Big Johnny goes, well, wait a minute. Big Susie over there, instead of taking a 30-minute lunch break, she takes an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how that starts happening, right? So it turns into, well, what about them? They're doing this. The thing is, maybe your boss knew about Big Susie taking an hour instead of 30 minutes. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Is that really any of your business? Hmm. Question of the day. Is, so I'm guessing Susie is a stepkid? No, Big Susie is the female employee. Okay. <laughs> thought we were metaphorking over here. <laughs> it's Big Johnny and Big Susie. Right. They're adults. Okay. They're working. Okay. Big Johnny starts to get in trouble at Frito-Lay because mm-hmm. he's two, three minutes late. And Johnny represents? Big Johnny. Little Johnny grown up. Right. That's he represents I'm, a person, an adult. That's what I'm saying. Is is the representation bio kids or is, or is the representation step kids? It doesn't matter. Okay. It's in general. <laughs> okay. It's a person, an adult. They're doing something and they're not reprimanded for it, so they keep doing it. Right. Then when they get called out on it. They go, what about somebody else? Right. Yeah, but if that somebody else is your other bio kid, 
then you have some ability to do something about that. If the other somebody is a set kid, then that's when you have the, well, that ain't my kid conversation. Okay, well, let's look at it like this. We'll say that Big Johnny works for me Mm -hmm. and Big Susie works for you. All right. So really, I don't have any authority to manage. My employee. Right. Which I wouldn't call her Big Susie. Okay. But anyway. So (laughs) the point is, though, she would be my stepkid, technically, Mm -hmm. because it's not my place. To manage my employee. Right. Y'all like that analogy? I like it. I do. It works. David confused me there for a minute, but see how I brought that back and made it all make sense. I'm just trying to figure out the uh, metaphorical representation here. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So, anyway, the whole point of this conversation is... Yeah, please tell me. I already said it one time. I'm just reiterating. Okay, reiterate. It's not always the stepkids that are causing the stress or the anger or resentment. Like David said, a lot of times it's because of how the parent does or does not parent that kid. Mm-hmm. So if you let Big Johnny come in late and leave early at work, I could get ticked off about that. Right, because... And and Susie can get ticked off about that, too, because since she's going, well, why does Johnny get doing I go, well, Johnny don't work for me. Exactly. Works for, for, works for Lazy Lori. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, but I work for you, dumb David. <laughs> well, if that's the case, I have some power. <laughs> I'm just going to fire you. <laughs> All right, so I hope y'all get my point. <laughs> because right now my brain's like spinning. <laughs> Just ask Lori for a flow chart. Just email her and ask her for a flow chart. Hey, I can do a flow chart. <laughs> I'm good at those. All right, so that's enough for this spiel. We got a couple of things to announce. All right. Our scholarship winner. Who's the that time again? It is. I love this pot. Is drum roll, David. Sarah T. What's up, Sarah T? Woo! Congratulations. Yeah. I like seeing the new people uh, that win in the academy. Yep. And, uh, and they jump straight in. I know. I love it. Work hard, and they're already doing the challenges, and yep. they're awesome. We had a, one of the winners was on the call the other night, and um, it was it yeah. was fun talking to her, and, and she was very excited and appreciative that she won, so, you know, Thanks again to Sylvia for the the donation to start the scholarship and all that. So people are definitely benefiting from it. Right. And we still have scholarships available. So if you would like to win a free month to the Nacho Kids Academy through the Sylvia Crack Hour Scholarship, email us a short video or a link, Google link, Dropbox link, whatever, to contact us at nachokids.com. And again, I know about being camera shy, not liking to be on camera. So you don't have to put your pretty face on there. You can have your dog talk talking or <laughs> sock puppets. Sock puppets <laughs> or, you know, a piece of paper that says what you're saying. Just whatever. Be creative. And this is a forty nine dollar value. This is a million dollar value if it saves your relationship and your sanity. Well, yeah, but I'm saying it would normally cost you forty nine bucks. That's true. Okay. It's priceless. Yes, it is. It really is priceless. And I'm not just saying that because I created it. <laughs> I'm saying it because it's true. There's so much value in it. Anyway, I'm not going to get off on that tangent. Um, if you have any questions about the scholarship, you can also just email us at contact us at nachokids.com and say, look, lady, I got a question about that scholarship you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then David has one announcement about a form that he created. 
So if you go to nachokids.com slash feedback, there's a little short form there. It shouldn't take you more than a minute to fill it out. We're just asking for some feedback about the podcast. So it's different than a review because like review, you go in, you like leave five stars and you talk about how great it is and all that. What we're asking for is constructive feedback for what can we do to make the podcast better. So we're not asking necessarily for accolades and all that. We're really wanting you to say, this is what I like and dislike about the podcast. And we're just kind of taking a poll, basically. And it's anonymous. We don't ask for your email address, name, or anything. Yeah, and you can put, like, I don't like how mean David is to Lori. That's not going to change. So you can leave um, information there about the podcast, what you like and don't like. Because as we develop the podcast and we decide on content and we decide on format and all these things, well, we want to make it something that the listeners want to listen to, obviously. And so that your feedback is very important. So if you go to nachokids.com slash feedback and just leave uh, whatever feedback you have. And um, we will put that in with everybody else's and help us to uh, make decisions when we make changes. There you go. All right, David, let's talk about our guest today. All right. Who are we going to talk about? Stepmom from the East. So which means she's really from the West? I asked her if she was the <laughs> wicked stepmom from the East. <laughs> I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about this interview, but I will say it cracked me up when she said that her husband is a major Disney dad. And if you look up the definition, his picture is beside it. (laughs) That's funny. Y'all, it's true. And the Disney dad stuff comes from guilty parent syndrome. It's not an excuse. It's a reality. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, if, if you're an every other weekend dad, I can understand it. Because you don't have but, what, 48 hours with the kid? I don't care if you have them 98% of the time. It's still the fact of they don't live in a home with both their parents. They're shuttled back and forth. You know, their mom doesn't make them do anything. Then they come here and I make them do stuff. And even though I know it's best for them to grow up and have responsibilities, I don't want them to say, I'm going to live with my mother because she doesn't make me scrub the floors. Is that the way they say it? I don't know. It sounded good. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that if I only have my kids every other weekend, then I'm going to plan something to do with them. And I'm not saying every single time, but I don't have the luxury of having them all the time to do things throughout the week or whatever. I have to cram it all into a two-day period when the other person gets to have two weeks to do things. So... That's one aspect of why it might appear to be Disneyland dad, but all your points are also valid. And of that's, course they are. <laughs> and that certainly does happen. But um, but it's not always the case where it's just, oh, every time he goes over there, they do X, Y, Z. Well, yeah, he only has them four times a month or six times a month. You so. know what? Be glad because a lot of them, every time they go over there, the bio parent does nothing with them. And leaves it up to the step-parent to entertain the kid. Or the kid just sits in their room and plays games all day. Yeah, I don't understand that. We see that, too, where the kid comes over, you know, and they're, like, out in the yard working the entire time. They're there. And, and like, every single time you go, and you start to wonder, well, why do you even want the kid to come over there? you just getting free labor? Mm -hmm. And then we see some, just like you said, where the kid comes over, and the step-mom is like, um, you hadn't seen your kid like in two weeks, you know, so every other weekend and you spend like 10 minutes with him and then it's off to play in video games or 
you know, the hard part is too is is when they get a little bit older. It's not uh, not only the video video games, but they can be running up down the roads in the neighborhood with all the other kids because they're hey, I want to see my friends. I know um, a good friend of mine, Scott. You know, what I'm talking about when yeah, well, everybody does. Yeah, well, they don't know his last name. <laughs> Go to my Facebook page. Um, <laughs> but he, when I first met him, uh, we were probably I don't know thirteen some of that when we first met i met him because his dad moved into our neighborhood with his stepmom well he was only over here every other weekend well what do you think he did every other weekend as soon as he came over to see his dad within you know an hour he's on his dirt bike and him and i are running up and down the neighborhood riding dirt bikes and playing and all that so he's spending most of his time with me not his dad so i, I can understand how that gets harder and harder to be able to do things with your kids as they get older it does. All right. So what else on this uh, interview? That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Then let's get into the interview after a word about the Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Stepmom from the East as a guest. Hey, Stepmom from the East, how are you? Lori, how are you? Are you the wicked stepmom from the East? Depending on the day. I try not to be, but uh, sometimes I've been dubbed that. And I'm <laughs> trying to keep, keep, to keep the, uh, the witchy poo hat off as much as I can. <laughs> I know. It just wants to jump on your head sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes it does. So how long have you been landing? We, my husband and I met in 2007 at the same company we worked for. Uh, we started dating around 2009. Um, and then... We basically have been together. We, we married in 14, but we really started dating in like 2009. Since I lived in the Midwest and he lived in the East, it took about five and a half, almost six years for us to put a pin in the map on where we were locating. So I ended up moving from the Midwest with my three children to the East and um, he has two children. So you had a long distance relationship. We did. And I, I tease him still now because I couldn't think of anything better than blending and coming under one household. And now sometimes I wistfully look back and think, oh, it was so easier, <laughs> much easier than, you know, I would, we both travel for work and my corporate office was in the East. And so I would like every other weekend or every, you know, second or third week, I would be out in the East. And so he would come visit me, I would see him. And, you know, it was, you know, very simple, you know, you know, we both had kids, but the kids didn't travel with us. And, you know, he really got a nice relationship with my kids and vice versa. And we just figured, again, naively thought, oh, we're going to be just rock stars at this. Like the kids will all get along and everything will be great and we're going to all live together. And <laughs> again, it's that whole, you know, the fairy tale of what you think it's going to be versus the reality of, oh, look, they're all together now and not everyone gets along all the time. So, And that's okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, I will say I wouldn't change it. You know, sometimes I tease him about going back in time and, you know, it was so much nicer when you were dating. But I, I would never want to keep that up it was hard to do it for that long of time to begin with but then when we all came together it's it's nice to be under one roof and it's nice to be able to share the experiences together versus kind of being split between you know one end of the country versus the other and just I mean it was a lot of running shoes for a lot of years mm -hmm. definitely 
So how old are your bio kids? Bio kids now are, we have four boys and one girl. And she's still, yeah, I used to always feel bad that she was the only girl and she loves being the only girl. So the oldest is a girl. Um, she's 19, second year of college. Uh, bio son is 17. He's a senior in high school. And then I have a bio son, 14, just started high school. Okay. And then my husband has two. So I have a stepson who's 13 and a stepson who's 12. So we literally go from 12, 13, 14, what? Literally, we are neck deep in teenagers. Honey, I feel your pain. Oh, yes. And, and, the, and it's funny. Everyone says, oh, you know, girls are bad. I have to say my daughter was pretty much an easy. She was a piece of cake. The boys, different type of personalities, but boys as teenagers, oh. They can write the book on being surly. I, I, it's, it's funny because they are just, um, they're all, like I always tell all my kids, I love you 100% of the time. How often I like you is your attitude and your demeanor. <laughs> so I'll tell them, honestly. You know, my, my oldest son, we get along great now, but when he was like 13, 14, he was just uh, a little know-it-all. Just was, we, we were like oil and water because I think we're very similar in personality. And I would tell him, I love you. 100%, but I like you 40% right now. Right. And he'd be like, oh, that's not very nice. And I said, it's not nice, but it's true. And as he got older, I would joke with him and say, you know, I like you 85% of the time now. <laughs> he'd say, see, I'm getting, I'm getting better. And I said, you are. So yeah, I joke with him that, you know, love you all the time, but sometimes don't like you all the time. And I'm sure they could say the same thing to me. You know, sometimes they don't like the advice, but I always tell them you won't like the advice now, but hopefully when you're older, you'll look back and go, okay, there's a reason for that. Right. And it's okay to say that about your bio kids, but if you say something like that about your stepkid, oh. honey, you better watch out. Oh, oh, you can't. It's like, I realized there's a whole different rule book. And I, somehow I didn't get on Amazon the book. I, I wish I'm still <laughs> looking for the book of what the rules are. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait a sec, I can't say that. You know, if you say that, it's, well, you're talking my child, you can't say that. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I always say, like, I try to treat everyone equal, everyone fair. And I realized too, that as much as you try to do that, it's still, you're never going to have the fairness level that it just doesn't work out that way. You know, and I think sometimes I created some, like, as I was saying before, I created some of my own angst of, I wanted everything to be fair and equitable and how I treated my kids, you know, my bio kids that, you know, my stepkids need to be treated the same way, whether good or bad. And I find that, you know, sometimes the rule book just doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's a different rule book for sure. Oh Yeah. And, and I, and I, the other thing I've learned is, you know, I thought my rule book and my husband's rule book were the same book and we just have very different parenting styles and not that mine's right. Although sometimes I think my rule, you know, my parenting book should be better, but you know, we just parent very differently. And I, I'm a no nonsense. I don't yell. I kind of teasingly say I'm a military parent. Like my belief is, you know, and I have to joke cause I've listened to your earlier podcast when you and David say like, you know, when you have to do something, I want you to do it. And I tell my kids, like, understand something. When I ask you to do something, it's not under advisement. Like, I'll do it later. I'll let you know. It's understand right behind I want you to do this is I want you to do it now, you know, not right. an hour from now, what have you. And, you know, with my kids, I'll just say, like, I don't, you know, but I, like, guys, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. That would be now, not later, not, you know, when it's convenient for you. But I find that, again, that, that same stance can't really, I, I can't use that same approach with the stuff kids because you know my husband will jump in and say well why do they need to do it right now like you know they they're doing this right now and I'm like okay you know so I've gotten a little bit better of okay you know maybe not right now but I still have this okay 
if it's a simple task, you know, please just, this is something very easy. My husband, on the other hand, is one of these, I tease him that like Disney dad, his picture is next to the definition of Disney dad. He's like, <laughs> he's pleaser, wants to do it all. What could, you know, you, what do you want to do? I'm here for you. And, you know, we're both, we both are very active parents and we do a lot, but I think sometimes he, he, I will say caters to not even just his kids, but the kids in general more than I will, where I'll say, and we finally, as a kind of a joke, he got frustrated because he would always say to the kids, if we would go out to dinner, where do you want to go? Well, if you ask five kids, you're going to get five answers. Yes. And I finally said to him, why do you do, I said, why do you do this to yourself? I said, this is our approach. We need to have a new approach. The approach should be like when we were kids, we grew up not having a lot. And we would say, my parents, if they took us anywhere, you want cardboard pizza? Yes, we're in, you know, because you were happy to go anywhere. I said, you know, we need to change our tactics. And you need to say, we're inviting you to dinner. If you would like to join us, you're welcome to join us. Not asking where they want to go, what they're, and he finally said, you know what, you're right. Because they would say, well, yeah, I'd like to go to dinner, but I want to go for barbecue or I want to go. And we said, no, 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 this is where we've decided to go. Would you like to join us? If you don't, you know, there's cereal in the house, there's whatever, but this is where we're going if you'd like to join us. And it's amazing. But when they realized there was no, you know, there's no conversation, there's no debate of who's going where, you know, unless they, you know, have a credit card in their pocket. Guess what, guys? This is where we're going. Exactly. It took that off the table. And I think just in general, those are some of the things we are trying to learn how to navigate with not only five kids, but five kids that are all very close in age and all very strong-willed and teenagers. And, you know, at this day and age, you want them to have an opinion, but I always joke that, you know, their opinion is not equal to my husband and I opinion. You know, like they'll, they'll come in thinking that, you know, they have equal say. And I'm like, guys, sorry, but, you know, we'd love to hear your opinions. We'll, we'll take that under advisement. <laughs> right. You know, that's one thing I learned with David um, fairly quickly. You know, he had four kids and I had my son and we would get ready to go somewhere to eat and, you know, say we've been out shopping or something and in the car we'd be like, all right, let's go get something to eat. Where do y'all want to go? Oh, my gosh. Then it turned into a fight. Oh, yeah. Well, you always go where he wants to go. And so then I said, okay, well, let me try it this way. Do y'all want to go to A or do you want to go to B? Well, that was even a worse idea. Because then it's, you right, know, you you're still split. Right. Nobody could ever decide. Right. Nobody ever wanted to go to the same place. So we did the same thing. We are going to here. Do you want something to eat? If the answer is no, then you right. can get something at home. It, that's exactly. And I figured, it just, we realized that taking the decision making out of everyone's hands made it so much easier for us. Right. And, you know, that it, it just, like I said, I wish there was a guidebook, um, <laughs> you know, you, you've asked, which I've, you know, one of the things that I love is like, what would you do if you went back in time? First of all, I would slap myself on the head and not think we were, we were just so confidently, naively, like, oh, we got this. Like, we're, you know, we're parents that talk to our kids and, you know, we're very dynamic with our family and whatever. And, oh, we were in such, you know, denial. <laughs> it's like, when we finally all came together, it, it was just, you know, I would have done, you know, pre-marriage a blended family counseling. And I've heard you talk about, you know, offering that as part of your academy that I think that it was even so important because we just thought, you know, oh, we all get along now. We didn't talk about how we planned to parent. We didn't talk about how we were going to parent each other's kids, if we were going to parent each other's kids. Um, you know, the what ifs, if this X, Y, and Z happened, we just went in there smiling stupidly, thinking like, oh, this is all just going to be great because we're just good people and we got great kids and we're all going to just come together and look great. And, you know, 
it has been great, but oh, there's been a lot of, as my husband always refers to it, a lot of speed bumps along the way. Some speed bumps, you know, are like, you know, you went off the road in a ditch, but, uh, you know, I would have loved to have had a little more like a counsel for to someone to say, Hey, how, you know, how would you approach this? Or how would you approach that? Or if this happens in the future, because we both kind of thought we had the same parenting style and come to find out years later, as the kids got older, we have very different parenting styles. You know, as I joke, you know, mine's right, but yeah, <laughs> you know, and he would say the same thing to him my, about his, but you know, I think it's that coming together and respecting each other's style, but at the same time, trying to come to an understanding of how to parent together the best way. I'm sure you've probably heard me say this since you listened to the podcast that David and I, before we got married, we did a lot of research. We even took this quiz that was like a hundred questions and we had one answer that was different. One. Wow. So we had that same confidence that you did of, oh, yeah, you know, we know it's not going to be easy, but we got this. We got this. You know, oh, it's not going to take us seven years to blend like they say. We're going to be done in two. I mean, you know. Right. uh, Exactly. But what it is, is I don't think, and David will confirm this, he doesn't parent like he thinks he should or he didn't because of the guilty parent syndrome. And I'm the same way. I think if David and I had a child together, that child would be walking a tightrope. I think you're right. I mean, I, the same thing is I think my husband's parents, guilty parent, and I, I parent, I guess a little bit different in the sense where my kids made a major move. They left their school, their house, their family, everything that they need, they knew. And I give them a lot of credit. They actually never balked about anything. Yeah, there was like a week or two where they went, this school's not as cool as my last school. But they literally went with the flow very well. And I, to this, like, to this day, I still say I appreciate how well they made the move. But I also will say to them, like, you know, my oldest son, when they first moved, where we live, they require Spanish all the way from third grade on. Well, he started in sixth grade here. And so his thing was, well, you can't expect me to do well in Spanish because I never had Spanish and all that. And so he used that as kind of his, you know, hall, hall pass for I never have to do well in Spanish. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's nice. You can catch up. You're very smart. You know, you'll you'll learn Spanish, but I'm not going to accept you getting a bad grade just because I dragged you cross country and this school requires that. I said, you'll if you need a tutor, if you need more work after school help, we'll figure it out. But I'm not going to let you use to become a victim because of the fact that mom moved you and it's awful. And, you know, I said that just, you know, you have to, you got to be resilient. You got to figure it out and move along. And I think that's kind of the difference in style. I don't have a lot of, as my husband said, you don't have a lot of compassion. I don't, I don't, I joking. It's not that I don't have compassion. It's just, I don't let them make excuses for them not being successful at something. Right. You know, I listen to them, but I won't let them take, well, this happened to me. And so now I can't be successful at this. And I'm like, that's your, I said, you can't limit yourself. And you've come here, you're going to do great. And bottom line is, let's move along now. There's, there's nothing that you need to look back on and say, well, because this happened in my life, you know, and I think that's what I struggle with is I don't want to sound like kids don't go through a lot. But I also feel like if you, we make them too much of a victim, I feel like we are allowing them to put limitations on what they feel they can do for themselves yes. because they feel like, well, I have, and, and that's, some things I struggle with sometimes with my husband, you know, good and bad, you know, no divorce is ever good. But I guess from the first, I always laugh at 
unfortunately one one part of the party has to have like it worse than the other even though my ex-husband and I got divorced divorce wasn't fun afterwards we are very civil even he he actually with my husband now they are very civil um because he lives out of state um that's one thing I give my husband a lot of credit he's not a jealous person he's whenever he's coming to town my ex-husband he's invited my ex over to spend time with the kids here because it's their environment and I love that about him now, on the flip side, you know, his ex is as bitter today as the day that they got divorced. And because of that, he treats a lot of, you know, what his sons have had to go through as just, oh, I think that's where the guilty parenting comes in because he feels that the divorce has caused them all these issues. And he's not wrong, but I feel like, okay, the more you let them kind of lean back on that, that doesn't help them long-term because then they feel like, well, I've got a reason that I can't do well in school. I, I got a bad grade because this is what happened. Or I'm going back and forth between houses. And because of that, I can't study as well. And not to say that some of that, some of those things aren't valid, but I think we need to not make that to be a like catch-all excuse for why they shouldn't be the best. Right? It becomes a crutch. It does. And kind of taking it to an extreme I, you know, I've got a couple of friends that have parents that have children that, you know, have some disabilities, what have you. And what I love is they are that, you know, can do it attitude. Like, don't tell me you can't do that. You can do this. You can do that. And almost to a fault where sometimes you're like, Ooh, you know, that's, but they say, listen, I want them to be independent. And if I do it for them, then they're never going to have not only the ability to do it, but the confidence to do it. And I kind of look at that and say, this is a different scenario. It's not physical, but it is emotional. And if we don't take that same stance, these kids are going to always feel like, oh, well, I ended up in life with a disadvantage because of this. Right. And I just feel like they, we need to take that away and we need to make them successful. You know, I tell my kids all the time, my job is to make you independent so that you are independent adults that live a successful life yourself. You know, I, I don't, I say too jokingly, like, the doors go one way, they go out, they don't come back in. And I don't want you in my basement, like living, living there, you know, <laughs> when I'm, you know, 60 years old and, you know, you know, and, and I, you know, they'll every now and then jump, well, mom, what if like I go and I said, listen, if you have to come back for a specific reason, we'll talk about it. But, you know, the reality is, you know, you want your children to be independent. You want them to soar and be successful. And I feel like, you know, teaching them these things and having them become independent is the best thing we can do for them. That's right. How often do you have the stepkids? We have them, my husband has them every Wednesday. After, and that's what, that causes a little bit of a issue too, because the way his, um, the court order is for the children, we are 34 miles apart because there's a lot of parameters and she has a phobia of bridges. And so we, I know, don't laugh, but we were not able to live any place that had a bridge where she had to transport the children over a bridge. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying so hard not to laugh. Trust me, when people say, what's the weirdest thing? That's probably a very strange one where she did not have to, for pickup and drop off, did not have to cross any bridges. Well, in the East area, every area has, you know, Long Island has a bridge and Westchester, there's bridges everywhere. So to that end, we ended up having to locate ourselves a little further north than we wanted because a we needed a house that fit everybody b we had to afford it and c we had to not have a bridge involved so because of that we're about 32 miles apart from one another and so he gets them on wednesday night but when i say that you know it would be great to have them come to the house eat dinner with us 
But the problem is he can't, you know, make the trip to get to their house, get back to our house, get back. He would be coming home at midnight. So usually right. what he'll do is from work, go have dinner with them someplace local, or he and I will both meet them, have dinner with them. And then my bio kids here, they're, you know, they're self-sufficient, you know, they'll make themselves something, you know, that evening. And then we usually have them about three weekends. They're supposed to have them every other weekend, but we have them about every three weekends um, the mo- on the month. And then anytime there's like spring break, you know, the, the winter breaks, we have them a good portion of the time. Um, I, I'm a, I have the ability where I have an, um, a corporate office, but I also work out of a home office. So I've got that flexibility. So I've got a little more flexibility than their mother has. And my husband does as well. So that if there's an extended time off, we usually end up with them more of that time than she does. Well, I want to go back and address the bridge fear because I'm not laughing um, at the bio mom because, I mean, that's somebody, somebody's real fears. I'm afraid of heights. So if I had to go walk across a, you know, tightrope to get my son, then that would be kind of a problem. It would be an issue. But um, I've never really, I've heard of people being afraid to cross bridges, but I've never heard it where you can't, you know, move somewhere (laughs) that doesn't have a bridge in between. No, I know. And so that was one, I mean, again, if you you try to find the, the lighter side of all this, you have to sometimes, you know, look at it and go, this actually is like, this could be a, a sitcom because you're like, wait a sec, that's actually added in there. And that's like, was accepted into the, you know, the, the decree of what we have to do. But uh, yeah, so she is, has a phobia of bridges and she had no, res- and that was the thing. We could live someplace where there was a bridge, but then she had, would have no involvement to have to pick them up, drop them off ever. And that's, you know, that sounds great on paper, but in real life, you know, you wouldn't be able to do that. So that's why we started looking for housing. You know, we were very limited to, okay, we have to look here because there's a bridge and there's a bridge and there's, so, and especially in this area, everything's connected by bridges. So we had to find a place that was commutable, commutable uh, back and forth without a bridge involved. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Your bio kids, how often do they see their dad? They see their dad probably four times, five times a year. Um, on the good side, like I said, everyone has a very positive relationship. My only negative there is um, part of the agreement of me relocating is I have to send them his way four times a year. So normally, like we swap Christmases. So like, for instance, this year, they went to see him for Thanksgiving. Then they came back for Christmas and they go back on New Year's. They usually go back for Easter break. And now that they're in sports, it's hard to do spring break because the kids are all in different type of sports mm-hmm. and then they'll go back for a period of time during summer. Um, the part that I wish would have been a little bit different is, you know, again, if I had to rewrite history is my husband, nice guy, but he's just, you know, he's one of these that he's very set in his routine and how he does things. And although he travels for work, he doesn't enjoy traveling. And he, I really expected him to come our way more. And that's the only disappointing thing is he does. He'll come, you know, a couple times a year. But, you know, looking back, I really was expecting him to every six to eight weeks, you know, just hop on a plane and come this way. And it's just not really worked out that way. And again, I think overall, the kids have a very good relationship with him. I just wish he would have come this way more often. You know, for one, it would have given them, you know, more time with them, which I've always been very big about. I've never been a parent that will ever limit the other parent's time. Like, I think when I hear parents do that and they just use that cruelly to say, well, you know, to get back at you, I'm not going to let you have the kids. I would never do that. Right. And so 
you know, I'm one where the more time the kids like, and I've even gotten to a point where, you know, if he has like Christmas or New Year's, the two holidays at blend, I usually will send them back the lion's share on his time because they are with me most of the time. So instead of saying, well, you know, I got six days, you get six days. I'll say, you know what, you want 10 days, or if you're doing something fun with the kids, like skiing or something you're going to take them with, I'm not going to hold them back from doing something that they can have fun with their dad doing just because I'm bitter and want them the equal time. I figure, you know what, you know, equally, they are here with us, you know, much more often, you know, if they want to spend that extra time, you know, with him or during that holiday time period longer, you know, I'm okay with that as well. When um, you decided to move, did he balk at that any or was he like oh okay oh no no <laughs> initially uh it was it was very bad initially because like i said every in the, in the beginning divorces are never good even in the long term when you look back and say well you know what we're good people but we're just not good together which i think that's kind of where we are like i honestly you know respect him as a person like him as a person i think he would say the same about me we're just not like we're not good people to be married together and you know, when we first, when I first talked about moving, he was still in a bitter, you know, angry that because I initiated the divorce and asked for the divorce. I think he just, you know, well, you know, I didn't want the divorce. So therefore I'm not letting you move the kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after about a year, year and a half of, we had to go through, you know, not only court, but we both had, the, the kids had to go through, you know, psychological evaluation. We both did, you know, was it the best thing for the kids? And at the end of the day, I think, you know, the kids were very, you know, I, I've been very open about my conversations with the kids and, you know, I wanted what was best for them too. And I've told them openly, like, I'm not going to ever keep the kids from you. So please don't see this as I'm leaving and you're not going to have time with them. You know, if anything, I'm open to any time you want to have with them. And I think, you know, through us having a lot of those conversations, uh, about a year into it, he basically realized that. You know, he was just trying to hold me back more out of resentfulness than the bigger picture of what's right for my life, the kids' lives. And uh, I give him a lot of credit because he, before we actually, the courts decided, he decided, you know, again, as you're spending all that time and money in court, we both had a sit-down conversation. He agreed to let the kids, you know, relocate. That's good. Yeah. And it worked out. And it worked out well. Like I said, I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad that there's a positive relationship across everyone because I do think the kids you know, that's where I could be like a cheerleader for that. Kids see that. My kids have never heard, you know, me talk bad about him and vice versa. I mean, we tease about certain things, but you know, no one's ever bashed the other one. And, you know, they've said on a couple of occasions, it's really made it easy because there isn't, they don't have a feel that they need to come in my house and talk bad about dad. Cause you know, I, you know, there's, there's none of this setting the kids up to poison the other parent. And I think that's really important. And they've never had to feel like, you know, they can't come back and tell me about the great time they had at their dad's house because I'm going to feel bad about it. It's like, you know, I'm glad you had a great time. You know, that's, you know, that's what I want you to have. I don't want you to go there and be sullen and, and miserable. I want you to have a great time. And, you know, that's one thing if more parents could understand when they do that, they think they're getting back at their ex. And in reality, you're actually really hurting the kids more than anyone. Yes, you are. Now, you mentioned that the stepkids you're supposed to get them every other weekend, but it's usually like every third weekend. Why is that? Yeah. A um, couple of reasons. I think one, because they are boys, um, they tend to be a little bit of a handful and they're into a lot of sports. And my husband loves sports. He's probably like a sports junkie. And so 
you know, it comes down to, he wants to be, even the weekends we don't have them, he wants to see every sporting event that they're in. And which don't get me wrong. I, I love supporting my kids, but I also, I came kind of from a generation where my kids, my, my parents came to some of my, my brother, I joke about this. Like it's different now. Like kids are expected to have their parent in the stands for everything. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, when we were kids, you know, my mom and dad, they worked, they try to come to an event, but they didn't come to everything. And you were okay. Like you were okay if your parent wasn't there. And I feel like that's another thing where, you know, my husband and I differ. He feels like the kids need to see you in the stands and you need to be present for everything. And I get that, but I'll say, well, you know, your ex-wife is in the stands, but I like to be there. So he's just one of these, he likes to be there for all the sports. And because he's going to be there, he usually tends to go that weekend anyway. So we'll end up having them more weekends than we normally would have had them just because, they're involved in a lot of different sports. So he's going to spend time with them, but they're not really coming to your house for those weekends. Um, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, depending on what's going on for the weekend. And I'll say, you know, as they get older, you know, his ex is very happy too to say, okay, if you want the kids on weekends, you know, have the kids on weekends. So, you know, she wants to have time with them, but she definitely, you know, as they become a little more argumentative and teenagers, you know, she is challenged with sometimes having the you know, a different parenting style too, where she's not quite as, um, how do I say this in a very tactful way? She, she doesn't, her, her discipline style is a little more lax. And when kids don't have boundaries and they don't have a discipline style, they tend to, I would say kids are like velociraptors. <laughs> they look for like any opening in the fence and they'll take it. And if you, they see that they can get away with something, they're going to do it. And they need boundaries. Kids need structure. And you know, here I'm like, this is cool. This is not cool. You will not get away with this here. And I think in her household, you know, being, you know, her with the two boys, she's, she's tended to not really discipline much or at a level that, you know, as they become teens, you need to. And I find more, more often than not, she's calling my husband and saying, oh, you know, I need help. I either, they won't listen to me. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're talking back. And that's why I kind of joked about, I said, you know, sometimes I become the smart one because I, as much as I'm saying, listen, you know, as much as everyone wants to be kind and nice, kids still need structure. Like I'm not the, you know, I'm not wearing the the big black hat all the time because I want to. It's because you can't be their friends all the time. You have to be the parent first. You know, at the end of the day, we hope that we can grow up that our kids love us and we have a, you know, a good relationship, but it has to start with being a parent first. And if you just want them to be your buddy and be your friend, then you're going to be in for a long haul. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's sometimes where I think we struggle because, because I have mine full time, you know, my husband, made the, the he, he said something one time that really made me sad. But when I thought more about it, I understood it, but it was, you know, we, you know, sometimes I think we're harder on my bio kids because they're here all the time. And he said, my husband one time said, you know, I am hard, not harder, but he's like, I realize that, you know, the kids that are here, because he'll never say your kids, my kids. He'll say the kids that are here, you know, the kids that are here, my three, he said, you know, they, they, they're not going to go home. They can't hop on a plane. So, you know, I'm afraid that my boys aren't going to want to come back here. If they come here and they have a bad weekend and it's tense or we make them do too much, they're just going to say, I don't want to come. Mm-hmm. And this is where we differ. And I believe, you know what? parent them. And, you know, there may be a week or two, three weeks that they say, you know what, I'm not coming. I'm putting my foot. But I said, you know what, we're good parents overall. So 
at the end of the day, I believe that even if they take their stance, we're not coming back, they'll come back. But there needs to be some lines in the sand of what is allowable in regard to disrespect of the household or me or, again, just general being, you know, being decent to everyone. And I said, you know, if we turn it, then you're basically, there's no consequences. On the flip side, you know, he said, well, you know, because, you know, basically my kids have nowhere to go, they're not going to hop on a plane, that he doesn't have to worry about them leaving. And initially I took that and I just kind of upset me that, so basically, you know, we don't have to work with my kids in the sense that, you know, it's kind of like you have no place else to go. And then he said it a different way. He said, well, no, I look at it this way. They're here longer with us. So if we do have a misunderstanding, a fallout, we've got time to kind of lick our wounds, regroup, talk about it, work it out and come back together again. He said, I feel like when my stepsons are here, that it's such a, it's a more condensed time that mm-hmm. he would rather not have any type of altercations, any type of conflict. And he just wants to keep it all good because he doesn't want the time that he spends with them to have any negativity, which I get that. I understand his reasoning, but sometimes that's, I would say too, that's great on paper, but it's not real. And as they get older, sometimes there needs to be that conflict so you can come back together. But I think because he doesn't have them for a full week, so to speak, or he has them for several days and then they go back, I think he's challenged with the fact that there's not a lot of continuity too of consequences here being carried over at the other house. And like one thing that I give my ex a lot of credit, not that none of the kids are really punished. I mean, I have to say they're not, there's not like punishments all over the place, but you know, if there was something that something was taken away, say Xbox, if my kids flew back, I would say to my ex, by the way, so-and-so Xbox not happening. And he would respect that. And similarly, he'd say, Hey, you know, and that's, you know, at their place, it really, it was more of a, you know, an event that they would do things. But the problem that like my husband has with his ex is I think sometimes they don't, they don't parallel parent. They don't, they don't, they don't co-parent. They don't anything. They just, sometimes I think it's almost, well, you're punishing them. Well, I'm not punishing them here more from her side. And I think that's Mm -hmm. hard for him because they don't have the consistency and it's, and they, kids are, you know, they take advantage of it. Well, they know as soon as they leave our house, go to the, you know, her home, guess what? I, I, if, if I got, you know, taken off of, you know, an electronic or what have you, I get it back again. And I think that's some of the things that, you know, he struggles with that he doesn't have control over that does affect, you know, the fact that if there was some consistency, I think it would help him in the long run too. Right. Yeah. Because then he wouldn't worry so much about being, the bad dad. Right, right. And that's, I think, part of what plays into being the guilty parent is you don't want to be the parent that when they come here, you're always the one setting down the rules and setting down. But it's hard when at the end of the day, you know that the rules are for the bigger picture. And I mm-hmm. always try to remind him, it's the bigger picture. You know, they may not like you this weekend. Like I joke about, you know, loving my kids, but they're not going to like us all the time. There's a lot of times I could, I tell my kids, don't ever let it come out of your lips, but I know in your head all the things you're thinking about me. <laughs> But I said, understand, one day you'll love me for them. Mm-hmm. And I, as I get, they get older, like my oldest daughter, she said something that I was, I was, it was like one of those moments where you just kind of take it down and go, okay, this is why we go through all this. When her, she started her first year of college, she actually called me and my husband and said, thank you. She said, I really want, I want to tell you, I appreciate that you never helicoptered me. You know, because I always would tell my kids, all, all of them, like your job to school. You know, you work at that. I'm not going to be the parent that comes home and sits at your hip and, you know, did you get that right? Let me recheck your work. 
you know, God knows, I don't even know how algebra is done anymore. I left that like <laughs> eons ago, but you know, it's like, I tell him, I said, other than if you, you're struggling, we want to know. Like, if you think you're really having a hard time with something, reach out to us. But I'm also not going to go on the portal every day and see if every homework's turned in. That's your job. And what's funny is going into college, you would think, okay, that's, she's in college. But she said, you'd be surprised how many kids come from households where every, you know, even in high school, you know, the parents are on them. And I'm not saying that that's not good that they're involved, but then it's like, where does the involvement become lack of ownership to them? And like, I tell my kids, you own this, you know, this is your homework, your grade. At the end of the day, you have to want to be whatever you're going to be in life. It's not going to be me going into your boss saying, well, he needs a promotion. She needs this job. I said, that's on you. And it has to start from an early age. And if you need help, we're here. Like we're here for you as a safety net, but I'm not here to like mow the lawn. And it was, there's a saying, and I loved it. It was like, you know, what we do for kids now isn't just, you know, you know, give them the road to success. We're like snow plowing through it for them. I mean, they need to have some skin in the game and they need to be able to, there's, there's going to be failures and there's going to be things that are struggling. And, you know, my daughter, that was the nicest thing that she said is like, thank you. Because she said, you know, I feel like I college for me, although it's, you know, like for every kid, it's a challenge. She said, I feel like I'm really well prepared for it because I owned my grades. I worked hard. I know how to do homework. And she said, I really, you know, attribute the two of you for making me be responsible for my thing. That is and awesome. So, you know, I did you know, that little, that little pat on my back for a moment before, again, before I got yelled at by the other four kids, but you know, it's like, those are the things that you kind of go, okay. It's a reminder that, you know, I'm not doing it all wrong. I mean, trust me, I'm sure there's a lot of pitfalls along the way. Cause you know, there, there's not the guidebook. I didn't get the guidebook in advance, but I feel like, okay, as long as you're doing things right from the heart and you realize that you're doing them for good intentions, I think at the end of the day, they usually work out. Not that to say that there's always things you could do better in hindsight, but you know, I look at it and say, you know, I'm always trying to do things that make the kids better people for themselves, you know, doing the best for what they are going to be as adults. Mm-hmm. Is bio mom um, remarried or in another relationship? Oh, I wish she was, but no, um, she, it, it's funny. We both say, Oh, I think it would be better if she was, um, you know, she's, she's not really dated, not really again, that we know of, you know, I would love to see her happy. You know, my ex is with somebody he's been with, he's been with for 10 years. And I think even my husband says, I think my stepsons would be happier to see her with somebody else versus there's, I hate to say it. She's kind of created, um, my oldest stepson is kind of a confidant. She's treated him like a mini adult too early Mm -hmm. at an age. And I think instead of her, you know, either, even if it wasn't remarrying, but you know, dating, having someone special in her life, I think it would have been good for the, the, the kids to see it you know, see, see her be happy again, too. And I think, you know, the biggest issue we've really had is, you know, like I said, naively, you know, I had a relationship with my stepsons for almost six years before I physically moved here. So I thought, you know, we, we by far had passed that window of everyone got along. We had really good relationships. What I completely didn't realize is the move here, the whole dynamic changed. And for the first like year or two, they, the boys really acted up a lot. And come to find out when they were young, you know, she didn't really work to poison them on anything because they were really at an age where they didn't comprehend things. Fast forward, you know, when we moved here, instead of being like two and three, they were like six and seven. She would tell them, you know, your dad has a new family, you know. And I, again, what I say is like, you don't realize like what you're doing is hurting the kids, not 
your ex-husband. And I think she put a lot of insecurities in them. Um, I think where she should have helped to bridge the, you know, okay, you know, you, this is where you go every other weekend and make it a fun thing. It became something where I think when she realized that I was permanent, my kids were permanent in the equation that it's just the whole dynamic change where instead of her just kind of being open to, you know, the boys would, you know, we would have them come a couple times a year to the Midwest vacationing, whatever, see us. I would see them every couple weekends, but you know, we blended our kids a couple times a year. And again, like I said, naively, we thought, Oh, look at, look at how well they all get together. Well, they're at a water park, <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're a field, you know, they all getting together. Well, great. You know, that wasn't real life. And I think that's the other part that, Everyone just thought every day was going to be like vacation. And my youngest stepson, we've had some really good talks. And a couple of times I said to him, like, well, like you used to be so happy with me. With what, When did it change? And he would say very openly, when you moved here, he said, you have no idea how, how, how bad my mom talks about you. And I would, and it makes, it hurts my heart for me, but even more so for them, because mm-hmm. I realized that they're caught in the middle. They're caught in a situation where that's their mom. They want to be loyal to their mom they can't like me. They're being put in a situation where liking me is being disloyal to their mom. And it's caused just a lot of, a lot of problems where, you know, I feel like I'm sometimes in a a no win situation because I get it. Like, you know, they feel guilty every time they come back and have a good time with me or, you know, I think me, you know, not just me, but our household. And that's been a challenge. Um, And I finally, you know, realized after having some talks with them that, you know, this is the dynamic that changed. And the other part was, you know, they said, well, we used to always have fun. And I said, well, guys, I know when, when you would visit before, it was visiting and it was like a week. I said, now, you know, I'm sorry, but there's days where, guess what? We need to sleep out the garage and we need to like bring wood into the house. And, you know, I can't, I can't have a party hat on every single day, but it doesn't mean we can't have fun. It can't, you know, we, we can do fun things, but with the fun things come real life too. You know, it's not just, hitting a water park, but the good part should be that you're spending time and you're, you're building a relationship together. And I think that's, you know, it just, it was a different dynamic because when they saw it before, it was just always vacation, high speed, how many fun things can we jam into a week? And so, mm-hmm. you know, from their perspective, it's like, oh, well now we're here and we're being asked to like, you know, bring our dishes into the sink and, and wash them off. And <laughs> this isn't as much fun as like a water park, but uh, you know, I think that's part of the dynamic that, you know, I'm kind of learning of, okay, how do you deal with that? Um, the poisoning is the part that, um, I, I don't know the answer to that because we've had a big issue too, where I think the youngest wasn't really pulled into as much of being a confidant to the, the, the high conflict biomom as much as um, the older one. And I think the older one she probably talked to and shared with more than she should have at his age level because he seems just really like the younger one, I think just kind of wants to go with the flow, but the the older one is just very, very like, you know, worried that his, like we had a couple of years where instead of flipping Christmases, he would say, well, my mom says that she's going to be all alone if we leave. And I said, you know, again, oh, gosh. Isn't, isn't that was a thing that's sad. It's like, you know, you're going to be all alone. Don't tell your kids that. And, you know, instead of saying, okay, you guys have fun, have a great Christmas. I'll see you, you know, the day after Christmas she would basically tell them how sad she was going to be because she was going to be all by herself. So things like that, where I feel he's had a lot of undue stress put on him at a very young age that he's grown up to, I hate to say it. I've been kind of painted as the enemy 
whether he's whether he's had that paintbrush in his hand or not, that's been painted for him. And it's caused a lot of relationship problems for us because, you know, for his loyalty with his mom, it's like he doesn't know how to forge a relationship with me. And we've had a lot of issues, too, where he's, I call it kind of like manipulative line, where he'll come up with things that are, you know, part of why I started not doing is three years ago, you know, he told his therapist that I was abusing him. <sighs> and I was horrified. And it's one of those where I didn't know where to laugh to laugh because it was so incredulous. But I when I say laugh, like it was so crazy because I don't hit my kids. I don't touch my kids, let alone my stepson. And to have that be told to somebody that I've, I, you know, I've been in their lives since they were, you know, toddlers, it just broke my heart. And it basically broke me for a while because I didn't know how to get over it. And, you know, people are different. My husband's different than I am. And, you know, when we, he sat down with my stepson and started like, you know, actually asking him some specifics, like, well, when did it happen? And what, because, and he would say, well, I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe it didn't happen. And the reality was he recanted it all. And my husband kind of took it as, well, he's a kid and, you know, you almost have to get over it. And you're like, no, I don't think so, buddy. That's my problem. I, and I said to him, I really, I wanted to go to counseling with the two boys and my husband and I, because I said, I can't get over it. Like, I can't just make this go away. And we need to, I need to figure out what happened and why, because I said, I felt like we had such a great relationship and to have something of that nature happen and just kind of to bounce back from saying, well, just get over it. And I'm not trying to make it sound like he just said, oh, get, but he just, right. You know, he's like, how do you carry this with you for so long? And I had to disengage for a while because I couldn't, my heart wasn't there when, and I, and I asked him, I said, put yourself in my place. Because one thing my husband is great with, he loves all the kids. He's got a great relationship with my kids. Um, What I couldn't do is, you know, put yourself in my shoes. If my two bio kids went to their dad and was visiting and said, you know, you know, my stepdad hit me and he, I said, would you, I said, first of all, I don't think you would even be mad at them. You would just be so sad that what you thought was such a genuine relationship that they would say that. And I said, I know you because your heart would be broken. And I said, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't know how to rebuild from this because it's not just a simple thing. And I will say that's probably the, the first place where I really just kind of started. I had to disengage for my own, just my own mental health and my own emotional health, because it just, it hit me. And I've tried to kind of rebuild that. Um, I think we're getting better now, but you know, like I said, I understand, and I'm not putting blame on some of how this came about because I understand what the, the bio mother has done, but it makes it hard because you're trying to have a relationship and you feel like, you know, there's, there's all these roadblocks. Um, we've also had a lot of issues where the oldest one also will make up things. And like, I'll give you a perfect, just a situation that was kind of strange where they had summer reading to do this last summer. And, you know, my husband realized that the day before school started and the reading wasn't done. So he like, guys, you're going to go upstairs. It's our weekend with you, but you're going to finish your reading. And we have one of these like weather apps. I think a lot of people have it where it like beeps and that means in X amount of minutes, it's going to do whatever. And so our phones went off and it said, oh, you're going to have like four inches of rain and a downpour in 10 minutes. So I just texted my bio son um, and said, hey, it's very simply, round up all the boys, 
That's what I just, I texted them because I didn't know where in the house everyone was. And I just said, hey, round up all the boys, please go outside and help us like cover the, the patio furniture. It's a very simple thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So they did. Everyone came down, covered the furniture. All was good. So I thought, and we went on about our day. Well, the next day, he's not, my oldest is a very, he's much, I call him the peacemaker. He tries to just keep everything. And he said, you know, I'm torn telling you this, but I feel like I need to. And, you know, part of me like, oh, do I want to hear this? And he said, mom, I just want to let you know that, he, you know, yesterday, you know, when you apparently asked everyone to come downstairs, you know, my husband, my, my oldest stepson had called my husband upstairs and said to him, you know, you know, I, he said, I came up told him, yelled at him, told him he needed to go downstairs. He needed to cover the furniture. And he said, well, I told her that I would had to read and this was important because it's for school. And she said, I don't care. You need to do this now. And I ripped the book out of his hands and tossed it on the bed, which it was kind of like, it wasn't even a twist of like, it wasn't even as though I came up and we had a conversation and kind of twisted it. We never even talked. So things like that really put me off kilter because it makes me concerned about what other things are being told that I'm not even aware of that. And, and like I said, as they get older, they get very sophisticated and like he, he did just enough that that kind of sounds like something like if, if let's go this way, if my bio son lipped off to me about something, I'd probably take his book and set it down. But right. I never had that conversation. I wouldn't do that with my stepson because I know the relationship is different, but he is one of those things where it concerns me because he's going out of his way to paint me in a picture that something negative happened. And unfortunately, like I don't expect like many times my husband doesn't like approach me and go, Oh, did you do this? It, which is almost worse because how much, how many of these things does he just kind of check and tuck away and go, wow, you know, she kind of is hard on them or, Oh, she is being a little bit, you know, stringent with them. And that's the challenge I run into because it's like, I don't know what I don't know. And that part is still, I don't know how I, I'm working on that piece. You know, on one hand, my husband will just say, well, you just need to work hard. You need to work harder at having, you know, you know, ha- having a relationship with them. And I say, I do, but I'm still human. At the end of the day, we're all human and I have feelings. And, you know, you, you have to, it's got to be a two way street. And I have to feel like it's authentic to the relationship that it's not where they're going to be nice to my face, but then say something, you know, that's, untrue behind my back and we struggle with that but I understand where the source of it is but it doesn't make it easier at the end of the day because it still happens and you know we, we really just try to struggle through like I, I, I'm trying to figure out how my husband and I can be more of a team versus him sometimes looking at what the boys quote went through and always kind of saying well you know this has been tough on them and I keep saying well you know what and not to sound like I'm uncaring but okay let's get back to, okay, let's get past this now. You know, let's figure out how that can't be, as you mentioned, it can't be the crutch we rely back on. We've got to figure out how we, we, we persevere behind like, okay, you know, guess what? We both went through divorces. The kids came out of it. A lot of people are divorced. Let's show them what the, you know, the, the other end of being a, in a positive relationship in a family is. And I think that's what we owe our kids versus kind of always reverting back to, well, this has been something that's been really hard on them. And, you know, I think he, he's starting to come around more, but that's, you know, we differ on that. Right. But y'all have been together blending like in the same house for six years. Uh, in May, it'll be six years. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a fair amount of time. 
It is. It is. But now that I realize, like I thought, like I said, I thought we were blending for five years before that and come to find out, like I didn't realize that really the dynamic of us blending really started the day that we moved here. And mm-hmm. although six years is a lot, it's, you know, I think we probably should have recognized the, the, the dynamic changing and maybe addressed it differently back then. But we just kind of thought, oh, again, speed bumps. Oh, you know, we didn't really realize how on the offensive, you know, the bio mom kind of really tried working with the kids on, on how bad this household was. And I think that's the thing we struggle with is, you know, we have, we have a lot of struggles. Um, you know, she still co-sleeps with the kids. And, you know, when they come here, especially the youngest, he's up many nights crying, having, you know, he just, he, he, it's again, negatively impacting his sleep because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that comfort and the security of having her to sleep with. And, you know, my husband's trying to work with her on that, but, you know, he, he's struggling too, because in her household, you know, he, she can do what she wants. If he comes here and we're trying to have, you know, a child be more independent, but as soon as he goes back to the other household, you know, he falls right back into that pattern again. And that's where I just wish they could be more on the same page. I wish she would be willing to be more on the same page with what he's trying to do for the right reason. Right. But she's not going to. No, no. And I think, I think part of it is, I think she realizes, you know, sadly that it does cause some chaos in our house. Not that she wants necessarily her son to be the root of the cause, but, you know, he's up and then he wakes everyone else up and the dogs are barking and it's like a three ring circus, you know, at three in the morning and you're like, oh, okay. But, you know, that's why I think, you know, she realizes, you know, unfortunately there's, you know, there, you know, there's some chaos that she's adding to the blend still that she can still affect. And honestly, you know, I, I wish more than anything that she would just be happy in her own life, you know, cause I think at the end of the day, you know, if the adults are happy, the kids are happy. I think that's the best thing you can do. Uh, I'll never forget, you know, years ago before I was ever even divorced, you know, from my husband, I had a guy that worked for me and he told me, he said, you know, I, it was kind of a funny thing. He said, I wish my parents would have divorced when I was young and kind of a strange statement for anyone to say. And I said, you know, we were talking just about relationships and he said, you know, I was an only child. I grew up in a really, um, you know, he's a dysfunctional household. My parents always fought. It was not a happy household. And he said, you know, at one point, he said, you know, I graduated from high school and my parents sat me down to tell me they were getting divorced. And he said, not that it was a surprise, but it was a surprise. Like, and he said, why now? And his parents said, well, you know, we want you to know we stayed together for you all these years. And he said, he goes, I really honestly wish you would have when I was younger, just divorced. I would have been happy to live in two separate households with happy, you know, people that enjoyed life. And he's like, you know, and he said, I feel bad for the two of you that you stayed together all this time for me. And didn't enjoy the years of your life that you could have done with something unhappy. And I've always kind of looked at that, not to say, you know, I'm the poster kid for, you know, you should get divorced. But I always look at it and say, you know, the best thing we can show our kids is healthy, happy relationships. And they should go up seeing that. And I think, and that's one of the reasons, too, that I'm glad that with my ex and I, although we're not meant to be, you know, you know, married together as parents, you know, we're very supportive of each other. You know, the kids you know, see that and they look and say, okay, you know what, mom and dad aren't, you know, they, they weren't meant maybe to be together married, but at the same time, they're, you know, they are good people and they just, you know, they're separate, but at the same time, they don't poison each other, you know, so that we have to pick and choose between the two. And I think that's the best thing you can do for kids is just give them, give them the happiness, show them happiness in the home, 
and don't treat them as I hate to say it, a pawn in your your anger and resentment to the to the other person. And unfortunately, the, the thing I wish we could change is that you know the bio mom wasn't as high conflict. I wish you know at the end of the day we could sit down and you know people will say like you'll see um you know the post would you ever let her into the house and I I laugh I said you know if she could be civil with us. I'd be happy to have her for Thanksgiving. I'd be happy to have her over. It's, you know, I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, I've never, honestly, I, I, I would love nothing more than for my stepson to see everyone get along. Because I think that would be, I think that would actually help a lot of the issues on every party's part. There doesn't have to be a bad guy in anything. And I mm-hmm. think that's the part now that if we could get past that and everyone could just at least be civil, they don't, you know, we don't need to go to coffee together. But, you know, at the same time, if they could see the parents all getting along or at least supporting the same cause, I think that goes a long way for kids. And, you know, that's that's the, probably the biggest challenge we run into now is they're just, they're not on the same page. And she's, you know, not showing any intention of wanting to be on the same page. Well, it sounds like, especially the co-sleeping thing made me um, think about this. It's, it's almost like she doesn't want them to leave her. She doesn't want them to be independent because they are her life. She has nothing else to focus on. You're very correct there. And that's what concerns me is there's a lot of coddling. There's a lot of, you know, treating them like they're much younger than they are. And I, I keep reiterating, like, I think kids need to be pushed a little bit. Like another example is, my youngest just recently got braces on and we went to the orthodontist and I said, okay, go up and check yourself in. And he looked at me because he's a little shyer. And he said, well, I'm what? you're the mother. You need to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I said, no, 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 you get up there. I said, you need, it's your braces. You need to go. Just tell them you're here. And I was literally two feet from him, but he was like, right. oh. so it walks up there and he was cute. He was like, um, 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 and he gives his name and, the woman looks at him and, she, and he gets out, he was just flustered, but I said, honey, it's going to get easier. You know, this is part of, I'm not doing this to make your life miserable, although it seems like that right now. Understand, I'm doing this because you're going to be having to present yourself to people. You're going to have to be introducing yourself to people. And at your age, you need to start like ordering for yourself, talking to people for appointments. And with that in mind, like my 17-year-old just recently had to sign on for an online course because one of the colleges he's he's um, 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 looking to get into required like another additional year, even though he's had you know four years of you know foreign language, which as I mentioned before he hates. You know they required yet another year. He had oh to my gosh! I know. And so he's like, it's never going away. And he, I'm, I had him call. I, I wouldn't even say I made. He took it upon himself. He called. He gave all the specifics. I was in the room because, of course, I hold the credit card for this. And I had to laugh because the woman that was taking all the information down said, okay, sir, now is this for your son or daughter? And my son said, well, this is for me. And she said, oh, that's nice. You're continuing your education. He said, no, I'm 17. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, you just handle yourself like you're much older. And he kind of smiled at me. And so that's one of those, again, proud mom moments where I'm like, okay, you know what? You should be happy because you do carry yourself like you're older. You, you can hold a conversation. And I said, you know, that's, you know, I, again, that's why I want them to do that because, you know, you don't just automatically at, you know, 21 or 24 start being able to carry on, you know, an independent conversation. I said, you know, that's where you start to, you know, do that when you're younger and you, you, you just, you, I want the kids to be independent. I want them to 
you know, with the whole term, you know, you want them to, to, to grow and you want them to, you know, grow their wings and fly and be the best they can be. And by holding them down and basically treating them like they're much younger and coddling them, that's, you know, and again, that's where I see the difference is, you know, I let my kids, I, I, I not push them, but I try to challenge them to be their best and do more. And, you know, I think I always have their back at the same time. I want them to do more because I want them, you know, to explore the world, to, to be able to be independent, to go to college, post-college and, and make them the best out of their life. And, you know, although I can't like, I've had to where again, I've had to notch it back and say, what can I control on that? I can only like, that's the problem. I can raise three. I can't raise five. I would love to be able to be a part of contributing to the independence and success of my stepsons, but I have to also keep, you know, in check where I'm allowed to participate. <laughs> I'll leave it at, you know, from that perspective, it's like, and that's probably one of the things I need to work on is, you know, I like to try to be, you know, Hey, here's what we sh- how we should do it. And, you know, unfortunately that's not my call. Although I try to give my, my two cents or five cents, but you know, I'd like to be able to see them have the same successes in life. And I feel like sometimes when I see that, you know, they're not getting that, you know, I always try to kind of jump in with, Hey, you know, we should let them do X, Y, and Z. And I just have to kind of sometimes swim in my lane and figure out how to advise my husband without sometimes stressing him out by pushing him into, because sometimes I, I know he's boxed into what he can't control that the bio mother is doing. And what I'm telling him, I think the best thing should be doing. And I think he probably just wants to run off into the woods himself someday and go like, oh, you know, I can't, I, he's not pleasing anyone. <laughs> but, you know, he just, you know, that's the hard thing he runs into is he's trying to also be the best dad for them. But also, you know, he's trying to create no conflict while he does it. So, you know, he's got a hard, he's got a hard spot sometimes too, where he just, I think he needs to realize that he's, the kids love him, even if, they don't like him all the time. They love him and he's a great dad and he just needs to be able to sometimes have faith that he's a great dad and put some of those parameters down. And I said to him many times, like you'll realize they will love you more for it at the end. Maybe not like you right now, but they will because there's a security in knowing that your parent has your back. And although Mm -hmm. they may not let you get away with anything right now, they also realize that you're that security and you're that safety net, so to speak, that, you know, they're going to do the best for you. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of my, my, you know, cheering squad for him of, you know, you just sometimes need to like do the, go the parent role, not the friend role. Right. I completely understand that. But at the same time, I understand guilty parent syndrome. And I think that's why a lot of kids are the way they are is because we have so many blended or step families that it's the norm now. It's not where, you know, two kids in the, your son's class has blended families. It's 25 kids in your 30 kid class has blended families. It, it What's crazy is like, sometimes I think it should be easier because so many kids are blended families. You're not the anomaly anymore. You're not the kid from the divorced family. You know, you know, my brother and I were talking because he has two stepsons and we said, you know, back when we were in school, you know, there was one or two kids who came from divorced families. And like now, you're actually, your kid, your, your parents are still married. Oh, that's strange. You know, it's more often than not, especially as they get older, you know, more of the kids, they have blended families. And mm-hmm. I do, I, I am concerned because, you know, I, I see all the different posts of the kids, you know, 
just there seems to be a lot of guilty parent syndrome where the kids are just allowed to get away with everything. And it just concerns me because at the end of the day, it's hurting them more than anyone else. I mean, do they become a productive adult? <clears throat> what happens, you know, I, re- I also see all these, you know, people talking about, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, magic number is 18 and they're gone. And okay, that's great if they're going off to college or a job, which in this day and age, it's usually college or something, you know, military or technical school, then a job. But what if they're not, they've not been given the tools in the toolbox to become independent enough? You know, you, you're going to end up having a kid that's 25, then a 30-year-old kid adult that's, you know, living in your house that you're never getting rid of. Or, you know, to me, you're, you're not giving the kid, the, the child, the building blocks if you're not putting rules, you're not putting expectations in, you're not requiring them. You know, the, the speech I always have to my kids is, you know, I want you to, be, I want you to own your responsibilities. You know, you're going to make mistakes. You know, when you make mistakes, we'll talk about it, what have you. But at the same time, you know, you, you have to be responsible. And I see so many parents that are just, you know, they, I think part of it, they don't want them to grow up. Um, I think the other part is they feel like, again, they, they don't have the kids often enough that they want every experience to be a positive experience. And as I go back, kids are smart. Kids know, they know when they can get away with something and, you know, they know how to seed in the, oh, you know, this makes me sad. Oh, right away, you know, the parent goes into that, oh, how can we make you happy again? And, you know, it worries me because the long-term effect doesn't hurt the parent as much as it hurts what that child's ability to become an adult, to thrive and to be independent on their own. And my goal is, you know, I want my kids to be that. I want all five of them to be that way. And, you know, that those are the speed bumps that we work on right now because, you know, we definitely have a different parenting style. Um, we, you know, I, I laugh about this, you know, he'll say, he's like, you know, you just, you, you want things a certain way and, you know, and I do. And that's, again, one of the things I'm working on, but, um, you know, also fairness for everyone. You know, I, early on, I was always worried because, you know, I made my kids do these things and if they didn't, there was a consequence. And, you know, they were quick to say, well, wait a sec, you know, they're not doing that. How come they're not getting in trouble? Or how come I have to pick up the dog poop? You know, they're playing games. How come I have to do that? And I finally came back to saying, like, listen, I can only raise you. Um, it's funny now because it's kind of come full circle because when I try to pull the fairness, you know, ruler out, especially my 17-year-old say, mom, you know what? He'll counsel me and say, like, you, you've raised us. You're raising us. Don't worry about it. We understand, like, don't try to go to bat for us all the time because we realize that because I was worried too, like, are they going to think I sold them out because, you know, I'm, I'm basically making them do things that I'm not making the whole household do. And what's, you know, refreshing is at least, you know, they, they recognize it now and they realize, you know what, we realize why you're, you do it. And we realize the limitations of what you can do. And they've even said to me sometimes, believe it or not, like you need to just back off and not, you know, get involved in the, the, the chores or the other things. So I've worked very, I'll say very hard. I still have more work to do, more self, you know, you know, improvement, but I've worked hard to try to kind of make that more my husband's, you know what, I'm got a little bit of OCD in me and it drives me bananas when like rooms are, you know, I don't, I just ask everyone, make your beds, bring your dirty clothes out. I just don't want, you know, the rooms to be, you know, looking like, you know, the slums. And uh, I finally had to kind of take my, 
foot off the gas there and just go, okay, you know what? If when they leave that the room is just, you know, looks like a hurricane went through, I have to tell my husband, you know what? Either before they leave, please have them go through it. You go through it with them or please pick this up. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, there's, that's my learning curve of as much as it may drive me crazy. I've got to just kind of nacho that piece of it and go, okay, you know what? This is a piece that I, I can't let everything be the battle that I, that I choose to take on. You know, the disrespect part definitely is something that I have, you know, that's my line in the sand, but when it's things like, you know, picking up and doing the things they need to, all I keep doing is just reminding my husband, like, this is, you know, this is what's raising them. Making them do these things is raising them to be the better adults that they, you know, you want them to be. And I know he wants them to be. So where it sounds like sometimes I'm like, just, you know, on everyone. It's like, no, it's just, these are just like, I, I always make a joke to everyone in the house. When I ask them to do something simple and they're like, oh, I'll say, guys, you know, I'm not asking you to repaint the house. I'm not asking you to go reupholster the couch. You know, I ask you like pull your bed sheets up. This is not a big thing, you know? Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's like, you would swear. I just, you know, ask them to, you know, could you go out and vacuum my car in, in December and please like, you know, wash it at the same time. And I said, you know, what we're asking, you know, you're all teenagers. You're not asking, we're not asking a lot. And so that's where too, I try to like sometimes with everyone add a little humor, but try to put it in perspective that, you know, having some expectations is not a bad thing either. It's like just, you know, everyone should have certain responsibilities to just take pride in the things that are yours. Take pride in, you know, your bedroom and how you keep things and taking, keeping things neat, you know, and same thing with like manners. You know, I, I get on my kids for manners because a couple of weeks ago, my husband came home and I almost, it was, he could, the look on my face, I have a horrible poker face. And my husband says, Oh my gosh, I have this horrible lunch with this guy. And I said, well, what happened? He said, you won't believe this, but like he's eating and, and he's chewing with his mouth open and food's falling all over. And Oh, I couldn't even eat. So he says to me, I couldn't even, I couldn't even eat. And I said to him, so he has poor table manners and he looks at me and right away it registered that I was referring to the fact that he really doesn't look, he, he doesn't um, encourage or he doesn't push for table manners. And so he kind of got frustrated and he says, well, you know, you know, they're much younger. They're only 12 and 14. And I said, you're right. I'm sure this, this man's table manners really started going downhill at 36. And I got my point across, but you know, it was one of those situations where I'm trying to get him to understand, like you're in an adult situation and think about this. This is an adult that you're now, it was so bad that you're sharing it with me later in the day, how horrified you were. I said, do you want any of our kids to be in that situation where someone's horrified because we never taught our kids to eat, to eat properly because we didn't want to upset their feelings or we didn't want to like make them feel bad. You know, I said, I would much rather they feel bad with me saying, Hey, don't put your steak on a stick and eat it off the fork. <laughs> you know, right. I've got one that used to think, you know, one of them that didn't believe in a knife and he would just, my 14 year old will like, he used to stab the stuff. He would stab the steak and just like eat it like it was a lollipop. And I said, I said, you know how to use a knife, put it back down, you know, cut it in right reasonable pieces. And I always tell him, I said, listen, at one point in the time, you're going to be interested in girls and just people in general, and you're not going to want them to be horrified by how you're eating. And they kind of laugh now. But I, I said, you know, just at the end of the day, you want it, you know, you don't want anyone to be appalled. But right. at the same time, I've learned, again, um, I took major steps backwards because at one point, my, my husband said that 
I made my stepson um, so self-aware that I was uh, that I made them uncomfortable when they ate. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry, but you know, I have to say, I called out when I would see it and I would be like, Hey guys, can you just, let's not open the mouth while we're eating. And can we not put like, you know, 40 pounds in our mouth, you know, just simple, you know, and I would try to be lighthearted about it, but you know, at the end of the day, I, for again, that was one thing I just chose to completely nacho. And I said, you know, I have to leave that up to him. If he's okay with them having table manners, of any sort, then he's going to have to deal with it. And now that they're getting older, it's interesting because now he's going, Oh, you know, he's starting to notice like, Oh, wow, you're eating like this. And I need to say, it's, just, it's that much harder, the older you get to curb like manners that have gone on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, like I said, I, I keep telling him at the, you know, I'm not, I'm not in any way. It's not, I guess I have to balance my things that kids need to do with the, praising of the things that they do well, which they do do a lot of things well. And I think I'm good about that too. But I, I, like I tell him when I do these things, it's not because I'm trying to find faults or find things that they do wrong, but I, because I do this with my kids, I've kind of been like, well, you know what? I think I try to have all the kids because I would like all of them to like eat nicely. And, you know, when they, you know, are older people go, Oh, you know, I can, I can be in a meal with you and your food's not coming out of your face. But, um, at the same time, he's got to like, that's got to be something that's important to him too. So I've realized there's certain things I'm just now kind of putting in his hands and saying, okay, you know, these are not going to be on my top list of the things that I, I, I have to kind of like take the baton and hand it to him. Um, and some things too, you know, he's coming to me that he struggles with because, you know, the whole co-sleeping thing, not having the kids sleep well at night, it's becoming a struggle. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, the whole, sometimes the, 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 the bad attitude, the disrespect, my husband thought I was kind of treating it as pinned toward me. And I said, no, I, I, I think it's just, you know, teenage attitude, but the problem is you need to be, you need to support me to not make it allowed. Meaning if there has to be that line in the sand, it's not allowed. Well, we had a couple of situations where there was just a really a disrespect a couple of weeks ago. And we went back and forth and I kind of held my ground where I said, this is disrespectful and I'm not accepting it. Will come, you know, that following week, my husband went to pick up his, uh, pick up the boys from the bio mom's house. And she had asked them to do some simple task and they were like, mm, you know, just, you know, grumpy, you know, don't want to do it. Walked upstairs, ignored her. And my husband's like witnessing all this. And he came home with like, you know, a new epiphany. He's like, wow, you know, they, they need to really get, get in order. They need to be like listening better. And I'm like, really, really, you know, <laughs> part of me was like, really, you had to like witness it there too, to have me to, to realize it's not just, and I said to him, I wasn't taking it as they were just being, you know, ignoring just me. I said, the problem is you being their parent, you have to put a stop to that. You have to command respect from them. Or they, again, are going to learn that that's acceptable. And so I think he's starting to see that. At least I'm hoping he's starting to see that because even now the bio mom is saying like, oh, they don't listen to me. And, oh, you know, they, you know, this is what's happening. And, you know, similarly, I said that's got to happen on her watch too. She's got to start doing that because, but if it doesn't happen on her watch, you have to have at least consistency here that I'm, I'm a big believer in follow through. My kids will tease me and say, 
mom, you're too good on follow through. Sometimes you should not follow through quite as much. But I'm just like, you know, if I say this is what needs to get done, you need to do it and you got to do it. And, you know, eventually they realize, oh, she's not, she's not going to go away until I do it. So I may as well just do it to begin with. Now, does your husband um, get defensive when you tell him he needs to parent his kids or is he pretty open to your suggestions? He's getting more open. I will say he's been not open. It, strangely enough, he thinks we parent the same most of the time. He's like, oh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll hear some story of someone whose child didn't do whatever. He goes, oh, can you believe that? And I'll be like, what? So in his, his head, he's thinking that he's very strict. Um, mm-hmm. I have to do it gently and I have to do it at the proper time. Um, I find I can't have it be like something just happened and I go, hmm, look at that. Kind of like the, the chewing thing I had to with the, with the older gentleman because it's like, okay, come on. That's like you have to see that one. But I try to hit it more where it becomes productive versus kind of like, hey, look at what you did wrong. Because then he becomes very defensive that I'm kind of challenging or picking on his parenting style. So right. I have to try to pick, pick my spot, so to speak. And I try to do it where it can be a little more lighthearted or where we have a conversation and he'll say, you know, they're really not listening and it'll be something unrelated. And I'll say, you know, I, and I, I, I'm trying to get better too with someone. Someone had great advice where they said, almost like with a child, try to like compliment him first before you like... It's a pat you on the back and kick you in the pants. It's like, I'll say, you know, I've realized you're doing this so much better. And do you realize that that's helping this, which we seem to have an issue with? And I feel like sometimes if I take that approach versus re-reminding him what he doesn't do in the way I would do, I think it's better for me to say, hey, do you notice you've changed by now that you've addressed the fact that the boys need to pick up their things or the fact, do you realize that they're now doing it more on their own? Or do you realize... Like, I think that approach has been more beneficial for him, you know, not being defensive about it versus me saying, yeah, again, see what they're doing <laughs> because, yeah. and that's, and part of that, like I say, go back to, that's part of me learning a better approach and me also realizing I can't always be like the head of council sounding like I'm always the one that does it right. Because I'm sure if he was sitting in on this, he'd be like, oh no, let me tell you how, what she does. Right. You know, he's, he would have a, it'd be a whole different interview. It'd be like, you know, um, this is what she, and, you know, we both have our different perspectives. And I try at the end of the day to realize like he does have a lot of challenges. My goal is to try to help him through the challenges and not beat him on the head over them. And I need to sometimes be, try a different, more positive approach with him versus, you know, always reminding him what's not being done properly. Right. It's, um, putting positives in the bank before you take negatives out. A hundred percent. And I, that I need to do that more. Just, I need to do that more with my own kids. I need to do that more just in general where, and that's, and also not to be like, it's it's about being petty patty, you know, okay, I want the house picked up, but is it really, can I, can I just take a deep breath and not look upstairs (laughs) and see that there's underwear and socks and things dancing across the floor, you know, can I take my fight for fairness and sometimes just put the sword down and say, you know what, let it work itself out sometimes, you know? And my goal is like, I want to get back to being fun again. Like, you know, I feel like I, w- I went from being such a positive person to the Gestapo of how to, you know, manage the household. And, you know, I, I joke about like forcing the blend, you know, it's like, I realize when like my husband will say, well, you know, they just want to come over here and have fun and have a good time. And I get that. 
But I think that's what we both, we both need to listen and find the balance. He realizes it can't always be fun. And I need to sometimes realize, okay, but sometimes I need to push for the fun as well. And I need to maybe back burner some of the other things so that the fun is still there, but there needs to just be, you know, and, and I'm a big believer of talking to kids a lot. And I said, maybe it's just having more and more conversations like I do with my own bio kids where we talk a lot. Like, you know, I always tell them too, you're not going to always agree with my, my thought process and that's okay. But this is unfortunately, you know, how it's going to work now. And I think maybe some of that is like, I had a, a big discussion with my oldest stepson the other day about just the same thing about like responsibility. And it wasn't a bad conversation. I, it was just like, listen, you're a teenager now. And you know, we want to see you flourish and we want to see you grow. And I, we want you to do all these great things in life. But part of that comes with the responsibility you have of pride and ownership and in and, and, and yourself and your things and helping out. In general, I, I think one of the things that I'm learning that I need to do more of just having those conversations with all the kids, including my stepson, on, you know, as you grow up, these are the reasons, you know, these are the things and turning it into a positive conversation. So they realize the things that we're asking for aren't necessarily, you know, always beating them over the head with, you need to make the bed, you need to do this, you need to need it. We are doing these things because we want, we want the best for you. And we want you to be an independent, strong adult. And that's why we're doing these things. It's not because, and I, and I said to him very frankly, I, I want nothing more than to not even ever mention a bed being made. I said, what my goal is, is that when you get up in the morning, you just make your bed, you bring the dirty clothes down, but we never even talk about it because I said, I, I don't want to do that. And so I think those are the things like when we get to that, I think it just becomes positive then versus something that you become nagging about. And that's my goal on my end of what my ownership is. I need to make that something where they understand where it's coming from versus it always being something where you're, you're, you're hitting them with something. Right. And you had stepped back and disengaged for a while. So you're able to re-engage and them not take it as you being the evil stepmom. They realize it's coming from a place of love. Right. Right. Well, stepmom from the East, it has been a pleasure having you as a guest on our podcast. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate you having me. And it's again, love the podcast and any, anything in the future, I'd love to be a part of. Great. Well, thank you so much. And you have a good day. You too. Thanks, Lori. Bye-bye. Bye. David, what's a velociraptor? It's a dinosaur. I knew that much. It's the, you say the Jurassic Park movies, right? It's nope. a little, no? Nope. Okay. Well, it's the smaller dinosaurs that are like super vicious, uh, kind of like a Malinois. Well, that's funny because that's what she said the stepkids are like. A velociraptor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, okay, let me correct myself. That's what the kids are like. Kids uh, are like velociraptors. Oh, in general? Mm-hmm. Okay. I sometimes can't disagree with that. Yep. And I also like how a lot of the step families or blended families, you know, we talk about, oh, it's supposed to be like the Brady Bunch. And then my first comment is, but we don't have an Alice. Alice is what made the Brady Bunch so happy. It was the glue. Alice was the glue that held that family together. (laughs) Because, you know, she fed the kids. She cleaned up after them. She did their laundry. She even disciplined the kids. Yeah. She did all the things that most step families have trouble managing. Right. But there you go. So. So get you an Alice. Everybody needs an Alice. Yeah. 
I think so. It's the Alice effect. The Alice effect. There you go. <laughs> or the Alice dreams. Yeah. The Alice dreams of the blend. <laughs> but, of course, you know, she comments that her uh, blended family is like the Brady Bunch on steroids. Oh, boy. I think that's what everybody's is because we don't have Alice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just we all look at the Brady Bunch and we're like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to be what the blend is. And I've talked about this before, too. Did the other parents die? Do we know? Yeah, that's true. We never, I don't think, never heard anything about it. Yeah, I'd have to look that up and do some research. Like, I know there had to be a high-conflict bio mom somewhere. No. I don't, I mean, I didn't watch it every day, but. Maybe Alice dealt with a high-conflict bio mom. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Alice just ran the ship. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Now we're going to go back and watch the episodes. I'm not going to watch the episodes. I'm just going to Google it. <laughs> well, that's back when all families were just, you know, perfect, right? Yeah. Leave it to Beaver. Mm-hmm. I love Lucy. Yeah. I love, I love Lucy. Yeah. Everything was always perfect, even when it was not. <laughs> yeah. It's fake, people. It's it all fake. ended well, anyway. It's like all the stories on Facebook, you know. Um, everybody's, oh, I love my husband, and he's the best, and da 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 and then you look in the Facebook group they're in, and they're like, my husband's, you know, he's a lazy bum, and he won't even whatever. And it just cracks me up because it's like people have to put on this persona of how great their life is for Facebook. Yeah. Look, we know you busted up. Yeah. <laughs> we know you broke. Uh-huh. As we like to say around here, you toe up from the flow up. <laughs> just like everybody else. Yep. <laughs> and if you if we you look at somebody else's life through Facebook, and you're like, man, I sure wish my husband did that. Honey, there's probably ain't doing it either. Mm-mm. Comparison is the thief of joy. And it is so true. I can ride down the road and be like, oh, I sure do like that car. Then I'll be like, oh, me and my poor little Honda. But you know what? I love my Honda. Mm-hmm. I am content with my Honda. Not just content, because I'm happy with my Honda. Yep. When you see somebody driving that expensive car, just be thankful that you don't have to make that payment. Right. So <laughs> instead of looking at it, oh, oh, must be nice you was driving that da 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 car. Think, man, it sure is nice that I'm not paying that much for a car payment and I'm not paying that much for insurance. And if somebody scratches my car, I'm not going to cry in the floor because <laughs> they scratched my $90,000 car. I'll just be like, oh, look, it's a beauty mark on the Honda. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different rabbit hole to go down but i remember um i remember going into people's houses that had purchased let's just say they purchased a house well beyond their means mm-hmm. and they didn't have a power like what like yeah like the power bill they were constantly behind on the power bill they couldn't they couldn't afford it because their house was so big yeah their their house payment <laughs> was so big and so you know it it was nothing to go over there and their power be off because they forgot to pay the power bill or couldn't pay it or even the water bill. So their, their utilities was constantly, constantly getting shut off because that's how bad they, they overextended themselves. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if I didn't know that and I'm just driving by the house and I'm like, Oh, look at this big immaculate house with an in-ground pool and all this stuff like that. I'm like, wow, this person's got it made. What you don't know is behind those closed doors they are freaking out every single time a bill comes in. And if anything breaks, 
and they're screwed. They're spiraling out of control. Dude, that is not the life I want to live. But anyway, that's a completely different. Yeah, that's a completely different subject. <laughs> My whole point with that is you can look in Facebook groups for step families and Somebody can say, you know, I just struggle with the blend. And then somebody's like, oh, well, my blend's great. And I treat my stepkid as my own. I love them like my own and blah, 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 blah. And that makes you feel like crap Mm -hmm. because you're like, well, I wish I had that or I wish I could be that way. Don't don't even read that crap. But also don't read the crap where people are wallowing in self-pity about how horrible their life is either. Yeah. It's funny that oftentimes the people that are talking about how terrible things are, when you when you give them a suggestion like, well, have you tried X, Y, Z? They're like, um, no, I haven't tried that, but I'm sure it's not going to work. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, what have you got to lose? What it's you're not going to work if you don't think it's going to work. What you're doing now is not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so try something else. Or... The people that think their lives are so bad, their blended lives, and they go on a Facebook group and they read some really bad stories, you know, where the stepkids tried to poison them or, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And they're like, wow, my life's not that bad. We've actually had people say, I, you know, I'm not going to apply for the scholarship for the academy yet because I've seen some of these stories and those people need it more than me. Yeah, but you'd be shocked that the people need it that bad don't apply for the scholarship. Yep. Which is... It's sad. Terribly weird, but that's the way it works. Right. But, you know, we've talked about this before, and I don't want to go off on a tangent on it, but people get comfortable in their misery. Mm-hmm. Some people are comfortable complaining. Yeah. Some people are so comfortable in the misery that they bring it. Right. They create it because that's what they're used to. It's their emotional home. It's their homeostasis state. No, it's their emotional house, like a turtle. That's fine. It could be that, too. That's a lot simpler. (laughs) So anyway. All right, turtle. Yeah. Squirrel. (laughs) Do not compare yourself to others. Yep. But look at people that have been through stuff and came out on the other end with success. And don't look at it in an envious way. Look at it as a way to learn how to do the same. You should only compare yourself to yourself. Right. Which means, where are you now and where do you want to be? That's your only comparison. Yep. And what is it you say, David, about 1%? I don't know. Remind me. Oh, goodness. If you only improve 1% a day. I got you. Yeah. Just, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's <laughs> well, even. You got to say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to. I okay. was going to say it doesn't matter if it's a, a day because that might be too much for some people. 1% a week. Right. So just look at, look, I'm going to improve my blend 1%. A week. That's it. You're not trying to, you know, completely do a 180, which would be 180%. <laughs> Actually, I guess that'd be 100%. But you're not trying to do a 180. You're just trying to make a small change every single week. It might even be every month starting out because it's so bad. But you're making a small change. And over time, that starts compounding. And next thing you know, you've made a 52% change over a year. Or maybe it's a 12% change over a year. Or but that's still year. a dramatic change. It is. It's, it's huge. But I, the problem that people often have is they're, they think they should go from negative from 100% to 100% within 90 days. And that's just not going to happen. It's not like your emotions where you go from 0 to 90 in 0.3 seconds. Yeah. It's, you're just not going to be able to do that. And so if you're focusing on 
just small incremental changes in your life. And that's true anywhere, not just in the blend, but you just focus on the small incremental changes. And because of time and compound interest, (laughs) it works for you and it will work easier for you. So, and don't worry about the people around you changing. If you change more likely than not, they will be affected by those changes in a positive way. Yep. They absolutely will. But I mean, they're definitely going to change one way or the other. So you can either um, be a uh, catalyst for a negative change or you can be a catalyst for positive change. Be positive. Be positive. <laughs> All right. I'm positive we're done. Hey, I wonder about the people that have be positive blood. I wonder if they're positive. I don't know, but I'm O positive. I'm A negative, and that hurt my feelings. You when sure I got are. Tested. You always A negative. Well, it was like a bad grade. I was so disappointed when we tested our blood in like the fourth grade, and I just knew mine was going to come back at A plus. Does that mean you're an A negative person? Oh, gosh. You're a negative person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, y'all. It's time to get, for uh, this to end. That's funny. All right, folks. <laughs> As I spend the rest of the day with my negative wife. <laughs> But you're a zero. No, I'm a O. You're a zero. I'm O positive. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Should have never. Y'all, I have to be careful. The things I bring up because later today I'll hear, oh, you just being A negative. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll hear it on one of the next podcasts. So join us next time when David says, see my A negative wife over there. <laughs> she ain't got a positive thing to do. Listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember life is good when you nacho.